Welcome to the Physician Associate Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Physician Associate Podcast. My name is James and today I'm delighted to be joined by Physician Associate Arjun Wara. Welcome to the show, Arjun. Good to be on the show, James. Thank you for having me. And do you want to introduce yourself? I am a UK trained physician associate, but I'm working as a lecturer at the University of East London, where I'm clinical placement lead, as well as one of the lecturers for the physician associate course. I've been a PA since October 2018, so qualified for like four and a half years. I've worked in A&E, GP, oncology, frailty, and acute frailty slash medicine, as well as being a FIFA fan leader for the 2022 World Cup. I know you, I know everyone's thinking like, I do way too much of what I've done, try and diversify, hear it a lot. But um, yeah, like I think life's, life's there to enjoy. What did the FIFA job involve? Were you over in Qatar for the World Cup? So it was a voluntary role and yeah, I was as a ambassador for, for the FA in England. Both myself and another peer that I know, Canal Sapat, who I owe a lot of like owe a lot of credit to, because he helped me become a physician as well as uh, get into the FIFA role. But yeah, the FIFA fan leader role just involved me going to Qatar, being part of fan dedication groups, which you know, as a FIFA fan leader, explore what Qatar was like, speak to many of the local fans, football fans there, as well as uh, fans across the nation here in England. And, you know, try and debunk some of the sort of negative, negative stereotypes or sort of stigma that was attached with this World Cup. And, you know, fortunately, thanks to my role with the FIFA fan leader role, I uh, got invited twice to Qatar, once in 2012, sorry, once in 2021, sorry, another time in uh, 2022, where I actually got to stay for the whole World Cup. And because of all the work that I did, I, you know, very fortunately, very luckily, ended up getting rewarded with the best uh, European fan leader award. And I was just like, oh, this is so cool. Like, um, and I got to see the World Cup final as a result. And I was just like, this is, yeah, I, I was really happy with that. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, what an experience. <laughs> um, and then you listed off loads of jobs that you did as a PA. Was that a rotational post when you were newly qualified? Or have you got burnt through lots of different jobs all in a few years? The the latter. I just burnt through lots of jobs. I okay. I think I think Why for me, um, so for me, the reason I did that was because I think after one year working my first job, I remember sitting there thinking, oh, I feel comfortable. You know, I'm really getting to know the department, but I just remember thinking to myself, I'm kind of not using all of my knowledge that I learned when I was a student. Part of me also wanted a different experience and. There is an element that I didn't feel like I was progressing enough. And maybe I just, and I thought to myself, you know, maybe I should go and adventure more, see what else is out there. Admittedly, it's been a bit of an up and down road having done that. Don't regret it because it gave me a lot of experience. If that makes sense. Mm, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, yeah. I think it's something not many PAs have done, to my knowledge anyway. Uh, to experience that <laughs> level of different specialities and it makes sense in a lot of ways to try lots of different things especially whilst you're young and at the start of your career so that you know what 
what you want to do. This is it. And I guess the thing is, I mean, I, I don't want to stereotype or assume, but I guess most PAs just, when they find the job that they're happy with, they're like, yeah, no, let's, let's stay here and, you know, develop. Something that I noticed or observed as a young PA was that all of the older PAs that I spoke to, some of them was talking about how they wanted to move. Some were talking about how, yeah, they were saying how they felt like they weren't using parts of their knowledge that they'd gained at university. And yeah, I, I kind of just thought to myself, you know what, we have this flexibility. We have this ability to move from one place to another. I mean, there's pros and cons to doing that. Um, but yeah, I hmm. I guess the, person, the type of person I am, I, I like to just go from one thing to another. So, yeah. Which was your favourite? And are you still working clinically at the moment? In, in what area? Very good question. I've stopped working clinically. I'm working full-time now in education. In terms of my favourite clinical job, it was probably my last one where I worked at Queen Elizabeth during my acute frailty slash acute medicine job. I think there I felt I I really enjoyed it. I felt like I was getting really hands-on, really stuck in. Um, it was the first time working in a DDH. And I felt I really got on well with the team and the consultants and the PAs there. And then, you know, I kind of just thought, you know, I need a break. So I ended on a good note, but yeah. Did you get a bit, did you go through a bit of burnout? Did you get a bit low? Mm. Um, definitely burnout. Definitely. I was yeah. definitely burnout. I must admit, I probably did feel a bit low as well. But, you know, sometimes, I think sometimes these things happen because, you know, we're working in such a stressful and intense environment that you're going to be, when you're giving a hundred percent and you're, working hard and you're trying to you know be innovative and especially in the system that the nhs is like it can be it can be difficult mm. and i think for me i got to a stage where no matter how much i was working no matter how much i was tr trying to refine that love for medicine it just wasn't coming and i just thought to myself you know what let's take a step step back and let's see what my options are and fortunately i got into full-time education and i was like you know what okay this is the right step. Yeah. And I can see from the expression on your face, you light up when you're talking about that job. <laughs> so let's move on to the HLA. Can you explain when when did it come up for you? What were you doing? How did you get involved with it? How did you hear about it initially? So great question. So the HLA, the HLA or the Healthcare Leadership Academy, it's a social enterprise. It's, it's a sort of like educational sort of company which provides leadership training for healthcare professionals, including medical students or nursing students or qualified nurses, doctors, PAs, physios. And it offers a wider variety of sort of courses involving leadership, whether it's called involving education, whether it's involving in, uh, entrepreneurship. There's a lot it can offer. And I just remember thinking... One of the beautiful things about the HLA is that there's an opportunity for you to network with a lot of other medical professionals is, as well as train with them. And yeah, it's one of the things that appealed to me. It was founded by someone called Johan uh, Malawana. And it's basically its aims is to support the development future healthcare leaders within the NHS. I first heard about the HLA back in 2019, where one of the locum doctors 
was talking to me about one of his projects. I think he was trying to increase the amount of South Asian representation doctors within, I think it was neurosurgery. I need to, need to double check. But he was talking to me about his project and he was saying to me how, you know, he's joined this, um, the HLA. He's been able to network with a lot of doctors and uh, other physios and nurses, getting involved with a lot of people who want to help innovate the NHS. So after I went into full-time education, it had been like three or four years that I'd known about the HLA. And I just thought to myself, you know what, let me just apply. Let me see if the project works. And apparently they they were really keen and they liked it. And so, yeah, that's how I got into it. When it comes to the HLA, so for those who are listening, I'm a HLA uh, scholar where I am doing this 12-month scholarship where I am getting leadership training, which is recognized by the Institute of Leadership and Management, where I'll be getting an ILM level five qualification as providing I pass my scholarship for HLA. There's a variety of courses, but with the scholarship program, you apply for this 12-month program, which is worth about £3,000. But if you are accepted as a HLA scholar, you end up getting that reimbursed, or let me phrase that, you end up being part of the leadership program for free as they pay for your £3,000 scholarship program fees. But the application process involves you having to, and I, and I admittedly, I know a lot of people would feel a bit uncomfortable about this, but you'd have to do like a one minute video pitch of your presentation, as well as like a one minute video, you know, presenting yourself and why you'd be suitable for the HLA and, you know, write sort of like a proposal plan, at least for me, that's what I had to do when I was applying. Um, so in terms of HLA, they're looking for people who are like proven leaders or have got a lot of leadership experience or just like to try and get involved in terms of innovating, innovating the NHS and, you know, want to go on to whether it's management, whether it's becoming uh, an NHS uh, clinical entrepreneur or whatnot. They want to help nurture that, um, nurture leadership skills as a result. So if you get on the programme, if you become an HLA scholar, you're expected to develop your own projects as, as part of the year programme, aren't you? Can you tell us a little bit about the project you're doing and some of the other projects that you've heard about? So yeah, I'm more, more than happy to. So in terms of my HLA project, my HLA project, I'm part of the HLA recruitment team where we have either bi-weekly or once a month uh, meetings looking at the HLA website, looking at the nomination forms, looking at the application process and trying to sort of dissect and look at how we can make it more inclusive and asking people from outside of the HLA what they think about the HLA and how it looks and the impression that it gives. As part of my project, I'm also looking at previous HLA applications and seeing how many medic and non-medic related and checking if there's a trend in terms of whether that's increasing or not. And for me, one of the things that I wanted to do with this HLA project was to increase this two PAs and to get them or to give them the opportunity to you know develop as leaders. In terms of other scholars programs, just trying to think, I remember someone from my cohort, it's an FY2 who works in the Northeast of England. He is trying to improve the efficiency and delivery of ultrasound guided cannulation teaching two FY1s and FY2s, you know, trying to make it more standardized 
across the across that region. I know a person from my cohort, uh, her name's Simi. She is a dentist who's trying to increase the amount of black students doing uh, dentistry. And she's created her own sort of NGO called Black Budding Dentists. And, you know, she's currently working with the HLA in order to try and have a bigger outreach uh, for this. I know people have gone into parliament and been able to present their, their HLA project in order to changing sort of uh, healthcare policies as a result of it. But that was more scholars before me. Yeah, it's it's honestly an amazing program. And I think one of the things that really attracted me to this program from the first moment I saw it was the fact that I, I'm I'm the type of person that likes to network and I and I like that aspect. There's a lot of opportunity to meet people that you probably wouldn't have met if you didn't apply to it. You know, there's a really nice community where they do a lot of community weekends, they do a lot of sort of welcome cafes or HLA cafes for new scholars at the beginning for you to sort of network and speak to everyone. And ultimately it's just a really big community. And I think even though I am a scholar right now, I could see myself, you know, staying with the HLA community and, you know, getting involved with other people. But yeah, it's it's an amazing, amazing uh, community. And I think to introduce PAs who are passionate, who love the clinical environment who who are keen to see the development of the physician associate profession sounds like you've found your tribe <laughs> uh yeah i guess so i guess i have yeah it's nice isn't it when you get into a room and when you're surrounded by other people with the same agenda same mantra it's quite nice to find other people like that isn't it this is very true this is very <laughs> very true and it's open to physician associates to apply yeah like, yeah were you so, one of the first PAs to go through the program? So I am the first UK PA to actually be accepted onto the scholarship program, which I was surprised to hear. I was like, how does no one else know about this? And I, yeah, I guess one of the things that I found was when it comes to the HLA, though they're really keen on trying to innovate. You know, one of the reasons why I proposed this project is that given the fact that business associates are a new profession within the NHS and it's quite innovative you know physicians are quite innovative they're really breaking the mold in terms of clinical medicine you know I think right now we're witnessing a lot of difficult times when working in the NHS and at this moment I know there's a lot of emphasis on clinicians becoming you know part of the management uh, scheme and trying to help sh- reshape the NHS at this current time and there's no reason why physicians shouldn't be involved in that I mean right now whilst there's development of you know PA ambassadors there's development of you know lead PA there's a lot of opportunities for PAs to become leaders or future leaders for the NHS and I remember just thinking to myself you know what it's important for PAs to know about this and it's important for uh, PAs who don't know about these opportunities to get these sort of opportunities to get this guidance and training so that they can help make a impact and it's open to physician associate students as well as qualified PAs of any discipline do you have to be a hospital-based PA or is it open to general practice, mental health PAs? Uh, it's open to every PA. So it's open to PA students. And it's open to any PA working in community care or hospital. It's open to every PA. Regardless of where you work, you know, it's it's more about the person, if anything. It's less about where you actually work. It's more about how you demonstrate yourself and how you demonstrate the type of leader that you want to be. And yeah. What is the commitment? What are you signing up for? 
do you get face-to-face teaching? Where is it located? Um, that's a good question. You get eight training days, which is either virtual or face-to-face. Where where those are like sort of non-negotiable, you have to attend those days. So you have to attend those eight days. And in terms of the training, you do get like these uh, online training modules where before your training days, they recommend you to apply. So they recommend you to complete each module. So most of the modules are either based on the six pillars. You know, they recommend you to do to to do that before you come into the training days. So in terms of the actual cohorts with the HLA, it's been expanding. There's cohorts in London, cohorts in Birmingham, Newcastle, Bristol. There's other areas, but there's also an Amsterdam and a non-geographical Amsterdam cohort and a cohort in Australia. I mean, it's a, it's been expanding since its formation in 2016. And I think um, for those who apply, it's unlikely you're going to be put into the Australia or the Amsterdam cohort um and expected to go to Amsterdam if if you're if you apply for it and plus you can put a preference in terms of where you want to go can you take on the HLA this is a loaded question Arjun because I know what you're like already (laughs) can you take (laughs) on the HLA on top of a full-time job and other commitments how much sort of work is it to do that's a very good question so it's definitely feasible and I think they expect you to put in terms of your project, now they expect you to put about five to six hours um, a week, minimum five to six hours a week in terms of your project, which doesn't sound quite a lot. The most honest answer I can give in terms of this is it depends on your project and how much work you want to, how much work is required for the project and how much, how passionate you are in terms of this project. So for myself, I I do work quite a lot. I do work quite most of my evenings here and there, but I try and space it out and try and make sure I have a social life as well. At one point, I was doing my full-time job. I was doing a PG cert. I was also doing my FIFA fan role. And I was doing my scholarship all at the same time within the last, like, three to four months. So, you know, and it's all they want to do, or all they want to see, sorry, is you basically developing as a leader, developing your project, and, you know, showing that there's some progress. So to answer your question, it is feasible. It is feasible to do during a full-time job. Given the scholars that I've met, you know, they range from medical students to, you know, FY1s, consultants. Um, and yeah, you know, it's definitely possible to do. You know, you get a variety of people doing it. And it always all depends on your time management in regards to it all. Last question for me. What are the key dates, deadlines, and where should they go to find out more information about the HLA? So that is a great question. For this year's application, the deadline is on the 31st of March. In order to find more information, just Google the Healthcare Leadership Academy. If anyone had any more questions or just wanted to speak to me, I'm more than happy to speak to anyone via LinkedIn. Uh, just search up Arjun Vara. I'm more than happy to speak to anyone. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. And I can leave links to the Healthcare Leadership Academy's website in the show notes of this episode so people can go on their device and find the link there. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Arjun. I really appreciate you giving up the time to come on the podcast. And thanks to you for listening to the podcast as well. I'll leave links for the Healthcare Leadership Academy and if you want to contact Arjun in the show notes below. And I hope you'll join me again for the next episode next time. 
Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Precision Associate Podcast. 